Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So today is here in the States, September 2nd, 2016. We are on class number two. So at the start of every class from here on out, I'll always start with, do you have any questions or thoughts or comments from last time or during the week that have come up for you? You know, I did, but I didn't write them down. Um, what was my question? I had a big question, <laughs> and I didn't write it down. Now it's gone from my. Okay. Well, if it comes up during today's session, just let me know. We can certainly address it at the end, and or write it down for next time. That's yes, okay. I will from now on just write them down straight away <laughs> as they come. Sounds good. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. So I want to offer you uh, a few little tidbits of what I call content information that is important for any animal communicator to know. So first thing, when you're beginning a session or beginning your day of maybe multiple sessions, it's up to you as a communicator on your preference and how you proceed. For me personally, just before I sit down to do my first communication session for the day, I might have four lined up, but I'll I'll do an opening prayer that I do in private. I don't do with the client on the phone. I just do it for myself, and that's what feels right for me. Different communicators do different things. Um, For me, my prayer sounds something like, you know, I make it my intention to call in white light, unconditional love, and sacred space and ask that all those three energies surround me, my human, and my animal clients. I ask that any spirit guides that come through on behalf of their client, usually it's the animal's client, or the, the guides that are working on my behalf, or for the human client's behalf, be only those that are operating for the greatest and highest good of all involved, and that when they speak, they speak directly and clearly. I don't like a lot of chit-chat, in other words, run-ons and all that. I want the information crisp, clean, and clear, ASAP, so that we can get as much you know, covered in the communication session as possible. So um, that's my general prayer, and I also often add, and I ask that I, Danielle, be of highest service for the greatest and highest good of all. So I believe that prayer is very valuable. Um, I believe that high vibrational requests of prayer help you as a communicator, help me as a communicator, align in staying close to the light, which to me is God, divine, you know, whatever you prefer to call it, which to me is very valuable. Um, There are other beings without bodies that, you know, certainly one can communicate with, but they're not all going to be helpful, and they're not all going to be for the greatest and highest good of all. (laughs) So I kind of want to weed those out, and I believe that my prayer of intention helps to create that, and I find that it really is very nice for getting me grounded even before I move into my next phase of preparation just before a session, which is for me, I'll take a deep breath, close my eyes, and I'll just visualize very quickly. It takes about three seconds or less. My own energy grounding into the earth, wrapping around the core of the earth. And then after that, I imagine my energy rising high into the sky, out into the atmosphere. And from there, from the the image of the center core of my body, I expand out 360 degrees like light. So basically, I'm just making it my intention to expand my awareness in all directions while being grounded and present. So my prayer and doing that little exercise takes no more than maybe 30 seconds. So that's what I do. Different communicators do different things, and I want to just expose you to a variety. Um, I know some communicators that drum, you know, before their sessions. It helps them get into a grounded headspace, and that's certainly fine. I was doing that for a time as a beginner. Other options is you can always do a grounded meditation, (coughs) Um, you know, uh, of your own choosing, whether it's being grounded or not to the ground, or it's more of a... I'm sitting in a boat or under a tree, just relaxing, type of visualization. 
Um, it really comes down to what feels right for you. Some people will surround themselves with white light or a bubble of golden light or the like um, as a way of protection. Um, those are just a variety of different things. Do you have any questions on those, Jenny? Uh, no, no, that's all good. Okay. Um, the second thing I want to mention is sending and receiving information in the radio tower analogy. So maybe you've heard this stated from other communicators, maybe not. But basically, if you and I are a radio tower, and every other being, human or animal on the planet, is a radio tower too, these radio towers can telepath or send thoughts back and forth to each other. If you want to be a communicator who receives the thoughts of an animal with clarity and with ease, then the trick for you as a radio tower is when it's time to listen to an animal, if you basically turn down as much as you can, or ideally turn off all of your thoughts, and we talked about this last time, getting down to your heart space certainly helps you to do that. But if you turn it off, what you do as a radio tower is you create the space or the vacancy, if you will, for other radio tower thoughts, say from a particular cat that you're talking to, to come into your arena. It's easier as a communicator or as a radio tower to listen and hear and notice what shows up your way when you're basically in neutral, peaceful, silent mode. So when you communicate with an animal, also know that when you're sending them your thought or talking to them out loud or telepathically, your mind is creating images for you that automatically go along with the words you speak. Alternatively, you as a communicator can also specifically take the time to create images in your mind's eye that accompanies the narration or the words that you're using in telepathing or speaking out loud to the animal. There is an advantage sometimes as a communicator in specifically taking the time to form those mental images. The, the difference between that and automatically allowing your words to create the images and, and go to the animal is when you take the time, the animal's like, oh, she's actually taking the time to create images because the images for the animals tend to be more detailed, more precise, more um, true to the nature of, you know, if you're talking about going down, you know, talking to a new puppy about going outside and go potty and you're showing them the owner's deck because maybe you've been there and you visited, you know exactly what it looks like, you know exactly how many steps to get down to the grass, things of that sort. These precise images, the animal's like, wow, this must be really important stuff. She's really given me these details. I see, I see that and find the animals take a step back and they're like, wow. So um, I will use images that I specifically create along with my words when information is highly important to an animal. Um, if an owner says to me, I've got a cat or a dog that won't stay in the yard, I'm afraid they're going to get be hit by a car. Can you tell them to stay in the yard? Well, it's all well and good for me to say to the animal, stay in the yard. Why are you leaving the yard? Okay, we had a conversation about that. But if I was just to have that same conversation and show them, hey cat, Here's a picture of what happens when you're safely in the yard. You're happy, you're purring, your person's petting you, they're smiling, all is well. Here's an image of you walking towards the road and not seeing that vehicle that, you know, you may or may not have heard, may or may not have been paying attention to, and here it is running your body over. And here's you injured on the side of the road, or here's the other extreme, you leaving your body. And I say to the animal, these images I'm showing you are not meant to scare you. They're rather meant to educate you on what can happen. So know that this is why this information is so important to the owner. So Jenny, during a conversation, you know, if I have a half an hour with a client, I will spend maybe, um, not all together, maybe five minutes purposely creating images if that's all that the session warrants a need for. In other words, I use images when it feels important to do so or necessary. There are times I'll go through entire sessions with clients, you know, half an hour or longer in length where I don't use any images at all because it's not necessary. So my point to you is, Take the time to add images when it feels like it's really important stuff. You know, they're going to the vet. They don't know what's going to happen. They're scared. You know, ask the owner, well, what are you aware of? Okay, they're going to have an ultrasound and an x-ray. Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to show them those images. I'm going to provide them with a bit more information um, than they are, you know, previously going in there with. Because the pictures will give them information, and information is power for people and animals. It often helps dispel a bit more fear. Maybe not all of it, 
but at least they have some inkling, more so than they did before, of what's going to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, the radio tower image. So if you are the radio tower and you are the communicator, ways where you make it difficult or we make it difficult for ourselves to hear and we create, I'm going to call it kind of like static, where it's difficult to hear what's coming in, is if you're in an environment as a communicator where you're distracted. Okay, so not setting yourself up for success, being in a noisy environment, having a radio on. For me, I tend not to do sessions with windows open in my house um, because that to me is a distractor. Um, everybody's going to have a different listing of what, dis what distracts them and what distracts others. I know some communicators that love sitting out in nature, you know, and hearing the birds tweet as they're doing a communication session formally with a client. That's well and good. That's great if that works for them. For me, if I'm doing an in-person session at a barn, I can't turn off the outside world. I can't stop that other horse neighing in the pasture, you know, aside. I, I can't stop that. But what I can do is at least I can visually ask the owner, hey, can we go to a place that's quieter? Oh, no, we can't. Okay, well, that's fine. Then I'm going to turn this direction so as not to be distracted by all the, the riders coming out of the trail ride right behind me. Um, if I'm in a barn where I can lean my body up against a wall, since I tend to work with my eyes closed, because for me personally, that allows me to get rid of distractors as well, and I can see my images in my mind's eye more clearly, um, then I will do that. I will lean up against something so I don't have to kind of worry about my body. I know I'm in a safe, stable, space, safe spot. I'm not within reach of that horse. That horse isn't going to reach out and accidentally nip me or you know bump me in the head. Um, so set your body up for success too. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Okay. Um, thoughts, your own thoughts coming in will certainly distract you. And if that occurs, like we talked about last time, it's as simple as recognizing, oh, my own thoughts are distracting me. I'm going to take a deep breath and drop back down. That will help create that quiet, still spot. Um, other distractors, uh, that are common for communicators is you're in the middle of listening to something the animal says. And the owner comes in with another question. <laughs> okay, that's a very practical. They don't know you're, you're in that moment necessarily listening, right? So they're not really trying to interrupt. Here's how I work with that. Because for me, it sometimes can kind of um, lodge, log me back out of my heart into my mind. Not so much anymore, but every now and then. So what I'll do is I'll be on the call with the owner. And they'll say, oh, ask him this, ask him that, ask him that. And they'll say, okay, we need to work one question at a time. Those are a series of three questions. So that's probably going to yield three different answers from the animals. Let's not all combine them. Let's do the first one first. So I'll ask the animal, okay, your person wants to know, you know, how you feel about your current food. What I'll do, Jenny, is I'll say it out loud just like I modeled for you. I'll say it out loud for the owner so the owner knows what I'm doing. They know I'm in the midst of asking a question. And for them, they generally get that they need to allow me some silent time in order to hear. And then I'll relay that out loud. When I find that I don't or an animal communicator doesn't let the owner know what it is they're doing in the moment, what it is they're asking the moment, sometimes the owner can get uncomfortable with the awkward silence or think that you're waiting for them to speak and they'll jump back in with some verbal thoughts. So it is a practical way of handling that and allowing your session to go more smoothly. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. Is that helpful at all? Yes, yes, very practical. Okay, yeah. okay. good. Um, so those are the major distractions as the radio tower. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Is there anything that you've found so far that distracts you or has on more than one occasion when you're in the midst of practicing or doing a session? Yeah, the, the thoughts, which has already come up. So I've noticed I can drift off and start thinking about what's for dinner or, you know, something, you know, just my own thoughts. Um, um, no, I just, no, it's just everything's covered, you know, external stimulation or noise or another person walking in the room. Um, but I, yeah, that, that distracts me. The animals are pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Don't know about the puppy, but we'll see. Um, yeah, no, it's just really the, the hardest one for me is thoughts. I'm, I live in a very peaceful environment. I don't mind the air coming through the door. I quite like it. Um, I have a large window. Um, the sun coming in, but 
it's more the thoughts in my own head that distract me or have potentially. I've never worked over the phone per se like that with a client, so done a session, so and had to sort of create space for connection communication with someone else present. I've never had that, so um, so to. But I remember once contacting a communicator. In fact, it was the first one I ever had a session with back in January or February. And she did say to me, while I'm quiet, it's because I'm... Um, I remember her saying that, as you mentioned it, at the beginning of the session, that she said, so while I'm quiet, it's because I'm receiving the information, so I need to sit back and be quiet. Okay. okay. Um, so, no, I haven't... That's it, really. The... the um, Obviously, of course, like a phone ring or something like that, but that's not a big deal because it's kind of like, oh, that'll stop in a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's... Okay, good. And yeah, yeah, that's that's a nice point as well. Yeah, as a communicator, you can certainly explain it in advance, especially for somebody who's never worked with an ACer before, and they need that kind of, um, you know, debriefing on how it is we work and what a session will look like. Um, I do want to mention, with that said, it's not true that communicators require absolute silence, obviously, in order to do communication work. Because when we think of our animal friends out in the wild or our domestic animals, they're living in a potentially noisy environment. <laughs> and yet they're still telepathing with each other. So I just find, I think, because we're human and we've not necessarily been doing this like Penelope Smith our entire lives, that sometimes we need that little extra cushion of an environment that's more silent for us because we're so used to listening to our own thoughts, whereas the animals, not so much. So we're coming from a different space, which explains the why it's different for them and they can do it anytime, anywhere, and why it's more challenging for us, at least in the beginning. Well, it's their first language. So yes. The way I, I see it is like a Japanese person learning to speak English isn't going to speak English as well as I do, but... Um, they'll know Japanese really well. <laughs> so that's like animals know telepathy. Um, I'm not going to know it the way they do. But, yeah, so it's like I'm learning. They're not. They know it. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Nice job. All right. So um, other point I want to mention. So if you get distracted or feel like you aren't hearing information from an animal when you ask an animal a question, you know, here's what I do. I will take a deep breath and drop back down first. That's my first always go-to method. And then I re-ask the question. If I still feel like the animal isn't, mm, I'm not, let's put it this way. If I feel like I'm not hearing the animal, then I'll often reword the question in a totally different way. Same concept, just reword it. Because for me, that's like a reset mechanism. So if you're trying to get, how do you feel about your food? And you feel like, it's just not coming through clear. I get he's trying to say something. I'm just not getting it. Okay, deep breath, drop down, and I'm going to reword it. Um, The food your person feeds you. What do you think about it? That's how I reset. And Jenny, I've done this with students in the past. I find that it's amazing. You just reword the question and they get the answer. Um, The second thing you can do is you can take a deep breath, drop down, and then say, I'm going to come back to this question later. And then include another one to two questions in between and then go ahead back to that question. It kind of resets your brain, your nervous system, I suppose, too. And it helps you kind of... uh, well, kind of get out of the headspace you were just stuck in so that you can be open to new different questions. And by the time you're ready to go back to that original question, you're set to go. Does that make sense? Oh. I, have, I have seen students, I've done it myself when I was a beginner, harp on the same question over, like ask the animal five, six times, animal, I'm still not hearing you, can you please tell me? I'm still not getting it, can you please keep telling it? Can you read? And... It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> so I want to offer you these alternate routes of what you can do that seems to open new doors like nearly immediately. Okay? Every now and then, on rare occasion, an animal will not want to talk about a topic. And you'll actually feel that within you. And when that happens, I'll ask the animal, why are you not comfortable ask, answering that? And they'll, they'll often be very honest. You know, sometimes I hear things, well, that was an old chapter in my life. I don't want to dig it up. I don't want to talk about it. Or it doesn't apply now. Or it's not important. I'd rather talk about X, Y, and Z. So um, 
it's rare that they won't answer a question because they're not wanting to. But if I do find that, I ask why. And then if, you know, I hear their answer, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not here to push you. I'm just here to listen and, you know, ideally get what we can from your person. And if they're not interested in going that route, just like with somebody human that I was interviewing, I wouldn't push it. I would let it go. Yeah, respect. Exactly. Good. Um, okay. Let me see. Information that's accurate. I know you touched on this a bit last time. For you, you'd mentioned the accurate information tends to, tends to come through very quickly. Okay, that's good. Accurate information has a few clues to it. It tends to come in with lightning fast speed. Sometimes it even comes in before you finished asking the original question. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've had that and gone, oh, hang on, did I do something wrong? <laughs> so wow. the reason why, at least my understanding of why that happens sometimes is our telepathic thoughts are energy. Speech is energy too, but telepathy is a little bit faster energy. And as you're wording the question to the animal, that takes a certain segment of time, but the telepathic energy behind those words you're speaking precedes you and goes quicker. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that often, you know, indicates probably accurate information too, is that the information is a surprise. It's not something you expected they would say. It's maybe not even words or vocabulary you would use. Um, yeah. So there are times that animals will give me words in the English language that sure I've heard before, but I really don't know, I, it's not my vocabulary every day, so I don't know that word's uh, definition inside and out. What I do with that versus taking the time to look that up on the computer or in a dictionary is ask the animal, what does that mean to you? And they'll give me their definition, which saves so much time. Okay. Um, and there's one more thing, so, oh, accurate information is usually, more often than not, the first thing you hear them say. When you were asking Lyra the cat about her favorite toy, was fish by chance, or fish shape, or something along those lines, the first thing no. you heard? Yep, definite, definitely, definitely, I, I remember that one, it was the first thing, it came in fast, it, in, and then it was just my mind that went, oh, no, no, what's going on there? Yeah, it was, yes. <laughs> she showed me fish. Okay. Fish Excellent. Good. Now let's talk about images. Um, you may at this, have, at this point have realized that sometimes when the animals give us images, they're not always meant to be literal. Have you observed that? Um, to be honest, no. No, I may have thought, gosh, that doesn't make sense, or I'm not sure what that means, but that's what I saw. But no, I didn't know that. Okay. I hadn't made that conclusion, no. Okay, that's fine. So here's what I find with images. Images will either, A, come in with automatic meaning attached to them. So when you when you got the, I, I guess it was an image, did you get an image of fish for Lyra? I did, yes. Okay. Did it come in with automatic meaning attached? I feel, I, from, I feel it did, because the question was quite specific to a toy, so when I saw the image of a fish, I immediately related it to a toy. Um, is that what you mean? Or? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, yes, probably. So what I find is images, if they come in, they either A, we've got a choice of A or B, I'll, I'll present both to you, but A is they'll um, often come with automatic meaning to them. In other words, you're like, oh, I see the image of fish, but I, I get in this moment that it actually means toy because that knowingness that it's a toy or related to a toy is there. I'm not questioning if he's really showing me a goldfish or a fish out in the ocean, or a literal fish that he has a, as a pet, or something like that. So images can come through with automatic meaning. And that's awesome, because that's so easy to just say, you know, he's showing me an image of a fish, and I get this has to do with a toy, so maybe he has a, a, a toy that's shaped like a fish, or, you know, does this make sense to you, owner? And I will ask that question a lot throughout my sessions, Jenny, and that's a nice phrase for you. If you want to get feedback from an owner, 
Um, not that communicators, you know, we're not operating for feedback, but if you need to get feedback from the owner to make sure that they're understanding what you're saying, that all three of you, you, the animal, and the owner are on the same page, that's a nice neutral question to ask. Does this resonate or does this make sense to you, owner? Okay. And if they say yes, great. If they say no or well, um, that's, and that's all for information too. Um, but anyway, the second way, you know, B, that images can come through is sometimes you get an image and you're like, what the heck is that? There's no automatic meaning attached. And you're like, what do I do with this? What is that animal? You need to, at that point, ask a follow-up question. What does that image mean? Sometimes they'll say, well, it actually means what that image is. Or they'll give you a different meaning. For example, I was talking to a, a dog three nights ago, it was now. The dog was getting ready to transition, leave her body, and the owner's question to one of the other living dogs in the house was, how are you doing emotionally considering that dog friend that we have who's getting ready to pass over is at the vet's hospital right now? And the dog showed me an image of two marbles in a glass jar. Now, if I had said to the owner, she's showing me an image of two marbles in a glass jar as her answer. <laughs> The owner would be like, what? <laughs> right? So um, what I did was, since there was not automatic meaning attached in that moment of me getting that image, I silently asked the, am the animal, what does that image mean? And the animal said, I, I have all my marbles together. I am calm. Which in other words was meaning, I have not lost my marbles over this. I have not gone crazy considering the other dog is in the hospital. I am okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, does it come with feelings, images? Uh, like when you saw the image of the marbles in the jar, did it, did it come with a feeling of calm? It, for, me, for me in that image, it did. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So I don't want to say that, oh, images will always come with feelings if they don't have automatic knowingness attached already. Um, I, I don't find it's always. Sometimes I get just plain images, and then I have to ask the follow-up question, which my follow-up question is always, what does that mean? And I just kind of relax into what does that mean? Because sometimes it's literal, sometimes it's figurative, sometimes it's symbolic, sometimes, sometimes it, it, it's like a really crazy image to get my attention that when I put words to it, because now I get the answer of what it means when I, when I ask that second question, um, it's like the image was more for me to get my attention so that we could talk about this topic, but me relaying it to the owner really has no value because it's not literal or even close enough to being literal or symbolic. So I take images with a grain of salt these days because I've discovered they're not all literal. That little fish that, you know, she showed you may not, even if she showed you a toy, a, a cat's toy fish, it may not ultimately, when I described to you that her toy fish playing right next to me right now is yellow with red polka dots and it says the word yow on the front, Y-E-O-W-W-W exclamation point. So when I say that, you might be like, gosh, I never saw those colors. I only saw the shape. I never saw the word on it. I only saw the shape. And I would be like, that's okay, because you know what? You accurately got the information across. She was trying to get across the idea or the concept of having a toy fish. We didn't need to know about the colors. We didn't need to know there was a word imprinted on it. It didn't matter. It was the idea and the concept the animal was getting across, and you got it. Does that make sense? It does. Do do sometimes animals give you that detail, like the words on it, um, colors, or...? Yes, it... yes, sometimes. Um, and what I find is it really falls into how you perceive images. Every communicator is different. I know some communicators that say they get their literal images all the time, most of the time. They actually see what that actual toy looks like in real life. And others, like myself, will sometimes get that, but the majority of time, for me, I'll get a nebulous kind of, okay, I know it's a fish, I see the shape, um, I get it small, I can feel the texture of it, but as far as colors, colors for me are hit or miss. I don't see the colors in the same way the animals see the colors. I can sometimes say, well, I often say with great accuracy, it's a dark color, or it's in the warm category, or the cool category. But stripes and dots and all that, for me personally, doesn't tend to come through. And maybe it doesn't matter. I've really found it doesn't matter. Um, 
You know, uh, also words. I, I do need to give you this example because it's coming to mind, which means the universe wants me to mention it to you. So I was talking with a, a dog for a client yesterday, and the, her, her question was very generic and open-ended. She said, I want to ask, you know, my poodle, my living poodle, is there anything he wants to tell me? I said, sure. So the dog talked a little bit about, you know, it wants its needs met by going outside with this person one-on-one and doing some, you know, walking around the yard and grass time. And then the owner asked again, is there anything else he wants to tell me? And I could hear in her voice the inflection of she was expecting something. As an animal communicator, it is never your job to feel pressured into giving into another human's expectations. So what I did with that, instead of going into, oh my God, she's testing me, I went into, okay, deep breath, is, you know, she is asking, hey dog, is there anything else you want to tell her? I'm going to leave it up to you. And he said to her, which the owner was hoping to hear ultimately because she confirmed it, he said, I'm sorry. And the owner said, yes, he ought to be sorry. But I want to hear it from him. What's he sorry about? So again, instead of me as the ACer going into that mental mode of, oh my God, she's testing me, which I will tell you some clients will do. This client was not. She was just mad at her dog about something. Um, I took another deep breath. And I'm modeling this to, to show you this is a way you can be when you encounter these very everyday kind of scenarios. I took a deep breath. I backed back, or I dropped back down. I was like, okay, so really, what are you, dog? Um, sorry about. I'm very curious as a communicator. What are you sorry about? He gave me the answer. I'm sorry that I went out. So I heard those words. I relayed them out loud. And then I said to him silently in my mind, you went out. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because the automatic meaning did in this case not accompany the words. Now I didn't get the image of him going outside which my human mind mentally jumped to. I, I thought to myself after he said that, oh, he must be talking about our outdoors. But then I dropped back down because I was like, well, that's my mental thought. That's not necessarily accurate. And I dropped back down and I said to him, what do you mean not, about not going out? And he said to me, and here's where he, where he gave me the rest. He said, I went out of her line of sight. I snuck off into another room and I eliminated and she was unhappy. So I relayed all that out loud, and the owner, and the, the owner says, darn right he did, he keeps doing it, peeing and pooing in the house now and then. And so we had a conversation about that. But my point is, if I had stopped at the words going out, I went out, the owner and I might have wrongly concluded it had something to do with him getting out of the house or going outside. Mm. Follow-up questions when automatic meaning is not there, Jenny are hugely valuable, whether it's for an image or for words. Know that you can always ask follow-ups. And if, if you, if, if your um, client feels like they're not getting it, hopefully they'll nudge you as the communicator if you don't automatically do it to say, well, what does that mean? But you can head them off at the pass by doing it yourself. And I said that out loud to the owner as I was doing it to the animal. So I said it silently to the animal. I also said out loud to the owner so the owner knew what I was doing. Is that helpful? Very much. Very much so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, okay. Last thing I want to mention to you is, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the recording again. You didn't have to, but um, did you listen to the recording by chance of our first class? I did not, no. No, but I was thrilled to have it, but I haven't listened okay. to it now. Do you happen to recall, I, I had an observation. I noticed that when we were doing the feel the energy of the answer, you know, feel the energy within Lyra of this topic, of that topic, that, and you'll have to listen to yourself doing this on the recording, that your answers were very smooth. They were very fluid in what you were getting. It was very quick. It sounded very easy for you to receive. And then when we switched over for, you know, I said, okay, now bring your attention or focus to now just ask her these questions directly. And we switched from simply sensing the answers within her energy field to actually verbalizing it telepathically back and forth. When I asked you the, the two questions, the one about the toy and the one about how she and I met, your answers, there was more hesitation or pause between your answers. Do, do you recall this? Uh, yes, definitely. Now, I, I, I felt the difference inside myself. I could okay. feel the difference, yeah. The information still came, remember? Yep. But I didn't I remember the first question. I still, I received the information of the fish, but 
something, it just was different, yeah. So what was that about? Is that what you're about to tell me? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I was going to ask you, you tell me. What was the difference for you? This, this is about you being introspective and knowing what you know about you and how you, how you perceive or how you work at this point. When you were doing the, the feeling, the energy, what made that easier for you compared to, you know, talking with her directly? So, um, sensing energy, feeling energy isn't something that's new for me. Direct communication with an animal is, okay. um, in, in the sense of my um, awareness of it. Um, when sensing energy, I felt like it feels, for me, it feels like... Um, it's not me, like I'm just allowing and when I'm, when I've switched to direct communication then I feel like, oh, I'm doing this <laughs> or, um, yeah, the, 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 the biggest thing I learned from last week and actually just throughout this week in, in just sort of mulling over it is just how important it is for me to just, if I would ever give one thing to anyone about how to communicate, tell telepathically and for me my what I'm learning is just for me to step aside just for me to be out the way but and that just seems more natural for me when with the concept of or the practice of sensing energy as it does to direct communication because once that direct communication the other thing that kicks in with that is oh I could get it right or wrong I suppose I could get the energy sensing right or wrong too but for some reason my mind doesn't jump in with that um, fear or yes. and let me explain why that is when you are feeling energy or any of us are feeling energy the energy of a response from an animal or the energy of the answer within the animal's energy field we are going into a space of essence within ourselves we are further from our mind we're in that heart space we are kind of operating from a space of kind of like no ego really we're just in essence in soul we're a more pure. Uh, these are all different words to describe that. I'm going to call it kind of mindless way of receiving. Okay. Now I want to offer you the idea that you can actually be you in communication with another animal, focusing on that animal where you're you, they're them, and you can still be in essence at the same time. Yes, of course, of course. It's, yeah. So yeah. what happens when you made that switch? And I like to do that exercise because it, it does, it gives me information on you and how you're working and what kind of roadblocks can, you know, can, or at least came up for you in that exercise, I should say. Um, the ego jumps in when we think we're doing it, okay? And, and as I said last time, there's nothing wrong with the ego. It gets us through life. We need it. It's a wonderful tool, but there's a time and a place for it. And really, it's not generally that helpful when we're trying to communicate essence to essence. Okay. So, you can still be you and be in essence and communicate with Lyra. It doesn't mean you have to let go of who you are. You know, you, you can, she will tap, animals will do this too, Jenny. Um, animals will tap into you and look into your mind, into what you know, what your experiences are, oftentimes during the conversation. I'll have animals say to me, you know, I, I'm like that super dog on, um, you know, Superman. <laughs> and uh, on that super dog on Superman. And, you know, the owner will say, how do they know a thing about Superman? I don't watch TV. I'll say to the owner, okay, well, as we're communicating, they can actually look into me and observe my past experiences and past memories. Wow. And that's where they're gleaning that from. They're presenting it to me because I understand what that image means and I can relay it in a way that verbally makes sense to you. So that's, that's highly, highly intuitive. Do we do the same with them? That's a really great question. I don't know the answer to that, so let me let me ask Franklin Turtle. Franklin, please. He's my often my go-to man. So Franklin, quick question. So yeah. So um, when I am communicating with you, do you have an inkling if I ever look into your past memories? He says no. Most humans don't tend to do this. He says most of you don't know how to do this. We animals do that for you more more mm, on occasion because it's like we can saturate ourselves within you. 
and observe your memories in a conglomerate, in a quick amount, a bubble or a group of information very quickly. It's like a quick download, he says. He says, you guys are more linear in thinking. Animals can have multiple conversations at once telepathically and therefore look at you while they're in conversation with you. He says, you humans tend to focus on one thing at a time. Okay, do you have any questions on that? Does that, do you normally see that happen with your students, that, that it's easier to sense energy than it is to ask direct questions, or is it just a... Um, I will mention it if somebody in class hasn't already announced it. Usually somebody will say, you know, I don't understand why, but I found that a lot easier than actually communicating with them directly. And then I will point out the reasons why, if it feels right to do so. Um, but I often will tell them too, part of the reason is when you do the energy exercise, have you ever done anything like that before? And they'll often say no, even if they've worked with another ACR. And I'll tell them that's also one of the reasons why you have no preconceived notions. You just went in as open and as childlike as you could and you played the game. Mm -hmm. When we're innocent and childlike and we don't put pressure on ourselves and we just explore, when we're just explorers, listening and observing, it's so much easier. The moment we put on a hat and say, oh, I'm, I'm Danielle, I'm so-and-so, I'm an animal communicator, I've got an identity and this is who I am and I'm talking to that animal. Oh boy, that starts to add a lot of stuff. <laughs> it can weigh us down. So just know, Jenny, you don't have to go down that second path. You can actually be an essence. I'd like to point that out because you can give yourself permission to stay in essence if you want. The only difference between the two exercises in reality is just your focus of attention. Instead of your focus in being totally on the answers in her energy field, your focus becomes on the energy of the answers that the cat's giving you directly. Okay. All right, very good. So I want to move into doing practice for the rest of the class. Um, did you get the photos that I sent? I have, yes. And who are you drawn to working with first? They're so, I want to work with them all. <laughs> and um, Mr. Franklin. Okay. Mr. Franklin is, um, I've never worked with a turtle before, so that's my. Okay. So um, as a communicator, if you're not already doing so, you're probably going to want information, contact information, what I call tag information. So here's his tag info, his name, his age, his breed, gender, how long owned stuff. So his name is Franklin. He is living. He is a red-eared slider turtle, as I wrote in the email. That's a type of aquatic turtle, if you don't know much about turtles. So he spends most of his day in the water, comes out on land to sunbathe. Um, he is probably at this point about 15 years old, and I've owned him since he was three. Okay. So he does have, a, there is another turtle that lives in the house in a separate tank nearby. So he does not share his tank with any other turtles. It's just him in there. And uh, how long owned? Yeah, since he's been three. Now, if I was giving you an animal by chance who is deceased, you would additionally want to ask me for, and how long has he been passed? And I would tell you, oh, he's been, you know, he passed last week, or he's my childhood pet from 25 years ago. There's a big difference in time frame of passage, and as an ACR, don't ever be hesitant to ask for that. So, um, connecting. Mm, me, I find it's easiest just to get centered first before you even call him in. So with your eyes open or closed, as feels right for you, go ahead and drop down to your heart space. Relax your body, which relaxes your energy, which relaxes your energy field and allows you to open naturally. And uh, just call his name a couple times in your head. And Jenny, here's what I want you to look for. After you've called him in, I want you to go into silence and see if you can sense Franklin being aware of you. And tell me what you feel, if you feel that.
So I do. I mean, I feel Franklin um, very quite strongly. Um, he has quite a quite a direct presence. Yes. Um, so he's not at all shy. He's the opposite. Yes. Um, he's kind of totally, totally. I'm here, and he's already. In, he was also. I feel his his in action mode. So in presence, but still in action mode. Ready. Um, what do I mean by that? Not physically doing, but. Um, it's like he's already he's chatting, in, but he's yes. not. He's, enga- <laughs> he's engaging with you. Engaging, okay. So, yeah, he's already talking to me, but we're not talking. So, yeah, he's, but, but he's present, so he's not over-talking me yet. Exactly, he's engaging. He's completely there. Um, strong Excellent. presence, very strong presence. Excellent, so good. So stay attached to him while I offer you this this little tidbit of information. One of the easiest ways an animal communicator can tell when an animal is connected with them is by feeling a presence, feeling the presence of the animal. Or know that sometimes it can come through in different ways. You might hear a response, who are you? Hi, hello, a greeting, Um, you know. So they may ask you a greeting or give you a greeting or ask you a question, okay? That also tells you they're aware of you. Or you may get a flash of an image of their face or their body, and it may not even be their whole body. Sometimes you'll see just the tail, but that's an indication that they're aware of you as well. So don't always expect it to be a presence, although that may be the way you generally sense it. Um, If it comes in another way, don't automatically exclude that you are not connected just because you get an image and no sense of presence, at least not yet. Okay? Okay. Nice. So um, we're going to create an open-ended question. So go ahead and ask Franklin to tell you about his personality. You've already gleaned a little bit, but let's see if you can give me a listing of things. quite a character he's quite a king <laughs> he's doing this march thing um oh, he's very playful very intelligent social um with people humans um Anything else? Um, just. Uh, um. I know Franklin shows me himself like some sort of teacher or ruler or some sort of you know. Um, I see him almost like at a notice board with a stick <laughs> and he likes to he likes he likes to be important in that way mm-hmm. um, he feels important in that way um, um, all right so let me give you feedback Excellent. Well done. Yeah. So when I have in-person classes, some of the more common answers, uh, different words as you, same idea, is people will say, oh, he's a teacher. Or uh, he'll, they'll, he'll give him um, give them the image of him wearing a graduation cap as if he's... That's a, what I saw. That's what I saw. Yep. That's one of his most famous images to students. He uses that one again and again, so nice job. Okay. Oh. He, he gives the impression he's an authoritative figure. He's very smart. He's oh. wise. He's intelligent. He's a guru. He's been around the block a few times. Um, so the the king, the teacher, the ruler, the, he's a character. Um, the character, we're going to go back to that because I want more information on that. Um, intelligent, yes. Social with people, absolutely. He's very outgoing. There's not a shy bone in this guy's body. Um, the notice board with a stick, oh, yep, that's him doing his teaching. Um, he feels important. All of that makes sense. So a character. And, oh, now I know what you mean because I know him. But an owner could say to you, a character, can you tell me more about that? What would you say? You'd have to go back to the turtle and ask, what, can you tell me more about this or what does this mean? Okay. So he's showing me that um, 
but he's, he's very strong in his character. So the strong in his personality, very defined. Yes. Um, in his personality, the, the qualities that we've seen, that he's, he's very much, it's almost like he's in a, I don't like to even use the word linear, it's like our thinking, but he's very much that he, he's, oh, times it's just hard to put the words in it without sounding ridiculous. So. Yes. So you're doing a great job. And you know, it's, it's because we're reading energy. And sometimes energy doesn't always neatly translate. When I, when I get in that bind, and it still happens to me this day, Jenny, I just go to the animal and say, okay, how would you describe this? <laughs> I don't yeah. struggle with it. I'll give it back to them. Say, how do you want to put this? Try that right now. So he's very strong. This is who I am. This is what I am. Yes. There's not a, it's it's not a, don't mess with me. It's not at all, none of that. It's a, this is who I am, this is what I am. And I'm really clear on who I am and what I'm doing. Yes. Um, and, and very clear and very definitive. And in a way, don't mess with that. Yeah? <laughs> so, yes. like, yeah, that's it. That's my character. And that, that is his character, that clarity, that definite, that, that, strength that um he knows that, himself he knows himself yeah that definitive clear this is who i am um if someone mistook his character or got it wrong he, he it's almost as if he's he wouldn't have a lot of time for that he wouldn't he wouldn't appreciate that but he done he's understanding um he's had a lot of experience so he understands but he's kind of like he just loves it. He loves it when people get who he is. He loves it. Because yeah. he's so he's so proud. He's proud. <laughs> That's what it is. Is that it? Is he? <laughs> yes, you're right on. And Jenny, do you see, did you, I, okay, observation on my end. The moment you said, you know, I suggested you ask him for the words, don't you try to work so hard, just go to him. You came through with tons of verbiage, and it's all accurate, and it was much quicker. And it's like it, you were right on top of it because you asked him, and he gave it to you. Isn't that a lot easier than struggling? <laughs> that was a great example, wasn't it? I was the perfect student then. <laughs> okay, so um, as, a, as an owner, I might, even though I know what this means, ask you, okay, you mentioned he's showing you a marching thing. You used the word thing, Jenny. Can you tell me, as, as an owner, explain to me, what, what is it he's trying to show you or tell you? Okay. So, um, that, that's, again, that strong, that he, he's showing that leadership and strong character. So, with the marching thing, he's the leader of the march. Um, and I'm not saying he's leading a million people, but he's leading his own way. Again, it comes back to that knowing who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, walk in his path yes not Just swayed by path. others walk in his going to the beat of his own drum mm -hmm. yeah yes yeah leading himself self-leadership mm. yes in his own path. good job nice job this is all very accurate excellent good job listening okay second question for him so this is just an everyday thing uh, that we do. So if I have a piece of, let's see, of um, worm, if, a piece of worm. If I have a live earthworm, which I tell you he loves, uh, love earthworms that I get outside when it rains, does he have the preference for me bringing it over and dangling it above the water so he can swim over and get it from me? Or does he prefer that I drop it into the water whereupon it'll, gravity pulls it to the bottom and he goes and gets it himself? such a good question because it's clearly right or wrong but my my sense is he really enjoys diving down in and going and getting it okay so I'm going to have you let go of that answer mm -hmm. and re-ask become a clean slate drop down even deeper and re-ask and let go of you know you may or may not get the same answer I don't care but I want you to go deeper relax more and see what you get Oh, 
You show I'm feeling again myself my 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 feeling and visual of him going deep into the the dive. Okay. Maybe I'm, maybe it's wrong, but that's what. That's okay. That's okay. So yeah, he loves to actually go over and get it from me. He swims like a madman. He prefers that I dangle it. For him, it's about the hunt. Okay? So I want you to feel that in him. So now that I told you the answer, it's, you know, yeah, you've got some guidance here. I want you to shift into his perspective for a moment. Become one with him. He'll let you, no problem. I want you to look out of his eyes. Be in that water. See that earthworm that's being dangled above the water. And once you've got that image in mind, I want you to then be like a a silent passenger and allow him to take over the images and sense the emotion within him and notice his body posture and body movements as he moves closer to to the worm. This is now about you not trying to control or have a conversation with him. It's about observing what he's about to show you. So let him. feel the excitement yes good 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 all right excellent so um, splash (laughs) uh uh-huh yes oh my god he splashes ask him the follow-up question what is danielle worried about as you come close to the worm what does she always worry about Yep, the fingers. Because I want you to watch him go after that worm and describe to me how he goes after that worm with his mouth. He kind of takes a few kind of bites at it. Yes. While it's wiggling like crazy. Yes, And and how much finesse does he use as he bites at it? None. Exactly. None at all. He's just totally in his own element yep that's right and he has accidentally bitten me on the finger and let me tell you it hurts he didn't do it on purpose but it was during a treat feeding event (laughs) nicely nicely done all right do you want to ask him one more question or do you want to spend the last few minutes with a different animal time with him and if you want to maybe send me one or two questions with another animal and I can do it the next week that way I get to yeah, like yeah we'll work with Franklin for the rest of the time um yeah. yeah the other animals will just we'll just tack on to next week as feels right so let's see so Franklin has a 40 gallon tank okay so it's a 40 gallon long versus tall aquarium that he lives in and Oliver Turtle is, you know, the other red-eared slider male that I own, who is probably about mm, maybe seven inches away in his own tank that's identical to Franklin. So ask Franklin, would you like to go live with Oliver in his tank? I get it. Pretty, pretty, I don't know. No, no. No? Good. Now why? I... Well, he just loves his space. Um, um, that's all I'm feeling. He just likes okay. his own space. He does like there- his own space. Ask him why do you like your own space? Why do you value your own space? each other those two mm-hmm okay we had that experience once what are you getting exactly you're asking me a question there so tell me what you're <laughs> getting well he's just showing me that they clash mm-hmm. this but I see a physical clash yeah um, as if they're 
stepping over each other or something, and then there's this um, there's a bit of a rift there that they just don't get along. Okay. I don't, they don't like each other. It's a little bit superficial, maybe. I don't. Know. Okay. So let's break that down. So I'll tell you, yes, that makes sense to me because when I brought Oliver Turtle home a year after I had Franklin, I just assume you always see turtles in the same tank at the pet store that I could put him in. So I did, and somebody went after somebody. Ask Franklin, who went? Who was the aggressor? Oh. Oliver got scared. Yes. And he aggressed to Franklin. He got aggressive with Franklin. Oh. <laughs> okay, close. Oliver got scared is right on, but Franklin was the aggressor. He attacked Oliver. Oh. Okay, partly because, um, feel into this, don't just take my word for it. Um, Franklin is very territorial about his own space and his own tank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, good. So ask Franklin this. Franklin, if Danielle would do so, would you like to be returned out into a pond in the wild? Um, do you know, I don't get a very distinct yes or no. I feel he's, he enjoys his life. Um, but he'd also be quite happy and um, he'd fend himself quite well out in the wild. Okay. Um, I didn't get it direct. Okay. So I'll tell um, you, he, he does have a strong preference for one or the other. So to get to that answer, I want you to take another deep breath and go deeper this time than where you were when you heard that original answer. See, it's hard for me to, because now my mind's saying, well, if he had a preference for the wild, you would put him back there. Yeah, but, but see, it doesn't matter what your mind's thinking, because that's just false illusion makeup stuff. So your mind really, it, your mind is just, um, our thoughts are just <laughs> our ego jumping in, and our ego really doesn't know what's true and what's not. So don't give it any credibility. Just take a deep breath and drop back down deeper this time and ask, what is your preference? So he wants to stay home in his tank. Yes. Can you feel that as a stronger answer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's home. This is home. Yes. Good. And ask him why do you want to stay home? Well, I mean, uh, yes, because it's home, but is there any other reasons why? Good job. Good job. Yeah, he's all about doing this work with people, with, with students. Yeah. Very, very good. Do you have any, do you have a last minute question for him or for me? You know, something you want to ask him or something you have in mind you want to ask me before we end? Oh, it's, um, though, just, just goes so deep, doesn't it? And it's so, um, I just feel like there's so much to clear away each time to really get into flow with a clear conversation. Um, and it only feels that way because you're still on the new, newer stages of doing it. I will tell you that will eventually shift for you, Jenny. Trust me, I, I know because I've experienced that shift. I remember being where you're at now, and yeah. then it all went away. So you will eventually get into the flow. And what you'll find is some animals you're going to flow more easily with, more quickly with, uh, just like we flow more easily or click with certain people, and other ones, it takes more work, and that's okay. Mm. It's lovely to connect with Franklin as a different species because it, that in itself just expands my myself, my mm -hmm. perceptions, and to really just deep in, step into the beingness 
of the being. Um, yeah, it's been this has been a big one today. <laughs> feel. <laughs> um, Excellent. So I'm Excellent. so happy. Good. Well, let's thank him. And, you know, as usual, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, you know, or whatever clearing you choose just to separate from him. <laughs> Excellent, Jenny. Well, we are set for today. Uh, give me 48 hours again to send you the recording, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Danielle. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Nice work Have today. Nice work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.